I'm April Morrison, doctor of physical therapy, accidental entrepreneur, and lifelong learner. You're tuned in to the Idaho Physio Podcast, where we talk about things, health, wellness, and high performance in all areas of life. The big goal here is to talk to high achievers and those that surround themselves with the top performers in their fields to get some insights, tips, and inspiration that we can all use in our daily lives. The title may say Idaho, but the content reaches far beyond our borders and is relevant for everyone, regardless of where you find yourself. As always, the content you are about to hear does not replace the medical advice of your doctor, so please seek professional opinions should you need them. Now kick back, relax, and enjoy the episode. We are glad you're here. Welcome to this episode of the Idaho Physio Podcast. It is a podcast about health, wellness, and high performance for high achievers. And so we're super happy to have you here. Um, Just a reminder, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do that in the links below. Uh, Also make sure to share and uh, comment, make some notes. If there's somebody that you think we really need to talk to or interview, please let us know. We're always up for more um, suggestions and advice there. Uh, Today, we have another top performer in her field, and we're so excited to talk to her. Today, we're speaking to Janet Laird. She is uh, a program director at Raytheon Technologies, and specifically, she works in the Missiles and Defense Business Unit, which um, is near and dear to my heart as an Air Force veteran myself. And so uh, a little bit background about Janet. Um, She's located down in Tucson, Arizona, which is also near and dear to my heart because my bestie lives there. Um, And she has been um, over 35 years in the industry, which is pretty amazing. So you know you've got some longevity and you've got some talent if you can stay in the industry that long. Um, She has been uh, 15 years. She's been about about 15 years for as a program manager and then 20 years in engineering after getting her master's in engineering. So that's pretty amazing. Um, so Janet, thank you for joining us and we are so happy to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. So maybe you can kind of start, I know I just gave a, a brief rundown of, of who you are, but maybe you can talk a little bit more or dive a little bit deeper into you know, who you are and what you like to do and that sort of thing. Sure, I'd be happy to do that. So it is funny to me to hear you say some of those numbers there because I can't believe I've been doing this for 35 years. <laughs> um, I can still remember just starting out and I never thought I'd get to that point. But but yeah, I do. I primarily think of myself, at least from a, from a work perspective, as an engineer. That's where my training is. Got two engineering degrees, spent a lot of years doing engineering. And over time, progressed into a program management type of, of, of role, but I still think of myself as an engineer because um, that shapes so much of my thought processes. Sure. Um, when you have that engineering brain, you can't help it, right? You've got that, that brain that sets you up. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely. And, and, and I don't know if the engineering brain is, if it's a nature or nurture thing, but it's, <laughs> it's probably a little bit of both. And once you go through the training and the uh, degrees and then you work on it for a while, it does, there is a very different type there. Um, But I've been here in in, uh, Arizona for 20 years, um, spent quite a bit of time before that in Ohio. um, And in all of my jobs and and my personal life, I like to travel. So I've been very fortunate to be able to do both on the job and and personally. Um, So that's one of the benefits of that I think I think back and I think, wow, I've been really lucky that way. So I like to travel. 
Um, and being here in Arizona, I like to do a lot of hiking. There's a lot of good outdoor hiking um, to do in different areas. Uh, so I like to do outdoor activities. Um, I do like sports, both participatory sports and, and um, um, just watching sports as well. And uh, so that's something... Teams? Well, I grew up outside of Cleveland, so okay. I am a Cleveland Indians fan and will be for life. Okay. And, uh, and I still follow the Browns in football. So even though they've been uh, not very good, but they're, they're still my team. This might be the year for them, though. I've heard good things about them this year. We've been saying that for many years. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. It's fun. And, um, and then, yeah, and, and actually getting out to do active things is very important to me. Um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get out and do as much as I'd like to um, actively. But over the years... You know, I've, I've spent time doing running and cycling and, and um, golf. I just played some golf last week. So try to, try to get out and enjoy those kind of activities. Cool. So how did you get into engineering? Was there something that kind of pulled you in that direction or someone that you met that inspired you or just thought you'd try it and fell in love? Well, that's a good question. So I always was very interested in math and science. Um, and so that was just the topics that I always enjoyed in school. So when I, I, but I didn't know any engineers personally, and there was a, um, a a teacher I had in high school who, um, actually my chemistry teacher suggested chemical engineering and really it was, it was really her suggestion that, um, sent me to that direction. And what I liked about what I heard was that, you know, the, the science and the math is, is really intellectually interesting and it's like, it's like cool things to know, but the engineering is applying it and it's taking that knowledge, it's not knowledge for knowledge, knowledge, sake. it's actually taking the knowledge and doing something with it and making the world better, making, you know, doing something for people to make their lives better. And that appealed to me. It's like taking that and doing something beneficial for it. And, uh, and I still feel that way. It still drives a lot of what I do. It's, it's, it's the usefulness of it that appeals. That's awesome. Um, so you kind of started down that path and just stayed on it, it sounds like, from high school on and beyond. Um, pretty, I, pretty much. And I saw that you changed from chemical engineering to mechanical engineering. Was there a reason when you kind of switched why you chose to switch one versus the other or just made sense at the time? It, it made sense at the time and, and for, for a very specific reason, because I was, um, um, I went to the University of Dayton, uh, in Dayton, Ohio, and I, as a, um, when I was a senior, I worked in one of the research labs there, and my advisor offered me uh, an assistantship if I stayed on and got my master's degree to continue working there, and it felt like that was a really good opportunity to do it. Um, but honestly, I felt like, well, if I'm going to stay at the same school, I already had studied with the chemical engineering professors in that department. And I felt like I would have more opportunity to learn more if I changed to mechanical engineering, if I was going to stay at the same school and, and do that. And so that really is the reason. Um, and, and fortunately, I was able to do that. And I was able to customize my studies in mechanical engineering along material science type of uh, classes. So it, it really just kind of fit in well with my chemical engineering um, bachelor's degree. Cool. So that's why, but it's, it's served me well. I've never regretted it. 
And that's great. So had you always decided that you kind of wanted to get into the missile defense and that sort of thing? Or was that just kind of things lined up and, and got you there? It's, it was more, that step was a little more um, by chance. Okay. Um, so right out of, when I finished up my master's degree, I spent the first 12 years of my career working in more traditional chemistry um, um, companies. So I worked for DuPont for a while, uh, worked for Goodyear, which uh, in the area where we make tires, most people think of Goodyear in that way. And, um, but then I had for, for personal reasons, I had an opportunity to move to Arizona and I thought, you know, I would really like to learn that part of the country. And, and I, that adventure part of it appealed to me. Mm-hmm. And, and it really was not because I was looking to change my professional, um, engineering position, but personally I was going to say, hey, I want I want to do this. I want to go learn that part of the country. And so when I made that decision, I looked at what, professional opportunities there were for me and and Raytheon and their missile missile business was an opportunity that presented itself and that was a really big change because the technology was very different than what I had been doing and I joke about it because I had to I had to learn all about the missile technology when I came here so it was a very um very strengthening and educational experience for me to go from working in one industry with one technology to a different company, a different industry, different technology, and and have to f- learn my way. And so, but I feel like I, I feel like I was able to do it pretty well. Well, obviously, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're a program director, so that's nothing to shake a stick at for sure. <laughs> but every time you do, like taking on that kind of a challenge, you know, not being afraid to do it, but just stepping in to do it. And it, it, um, it actually is very interesting. I found it interesting to go through that learning process. And um, I frequently would, you know, talk to people here. Well, why do we do things this way? Why do we do things that way? Mm-hmm. And I was surprised at how many people couldn't tell me. And, and I'd say, well, you know, I used to do it this way over here. Um, and you do it that way. So why would it be different? And, and sometimes people could tell you, sometimes they couldn't. And sometimes I'd, I'd just figure it out on my own. And I'd say, oh, well, I think, I think it's because of this reason. Um, so I, that to me is, is appealing to me. Kind of look at things and figure that all out. So Yeah, you, you end up kind of having to be a detective and find out, you know, what works or what just kind of is, is being done because it's always been done that way. And, you know, process improvement and that sort of thing. It, that's exactly right. If you want to get to improvements, you kind of have to pull that thread and say, well, why, why does it happen this way now? And how do we, I really want it to happen? And then how do you get from here to there? Right. And then pulling that thread, you know, things can unravel, unfortunately. <laughs> and so it, it makes it kind of scary as well. It, it is. It, and you're exactly right. Things can unravel. So um, sometimes I've, I've, I've run into that where to me, it seems obvious because I've had my background, which is unique to me, of course. Um, and so if I've looked at, had experience doing certain things certain way, I'll say, well, we should just do it this way. And everybody around me is like, we don't know what you're talking about. And <laughs> we don't know how to do it. And so you can push people a little bit, yeah. which is good, but you have to really be, you know, develop a sense for how far to push them and when to, to adjust. 
So let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, because you had to transition from, you know, kind of one industry to another, I'm guessing there are some things that you found that kind of served you in both industries in terms of um, either habits or lifestyle or what you do to kind of make sure that you go from one industry and you can still carry those things to the next and be successful. Um, is there something that or things that you kind of, you can point, put your finger on saying, yeah, doing this has helped serve me well in both industries. I absolutely, it, I would just as a general statement, I would say it's more of those, those soft, squishy skills, okay. the communication, 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 communication. So having um, the ability to communicate in both written, verbal, you know, formal, informal, um, being able to get points across, being able to adapt how you communicate, depending who your audience is. I can't overemphasize that. And, and that's hard. Um, someone told me once that you, it's really the most important thing you do and, and you communicate till you're sick of communicating and then you have to do some more of it because (laughs) it's just so important. Um, and so that, those communication skills, I think, translate. And that doesn't matter really what, what industry you're in. Sure. Um, then there's some of the other just professional um, attributes, I'll say. Um, following through on your commitments. Yeah. Um, actually being able to set expectations um, with, with how you, whoever you're working with. And that includes you know, your own leadership or your customer or the people on your team, the people who are depending on you. Um, and so those sort of, again, squishy skills that, uh, that really are very, very important. Sure. Yeah. And I think that, you know, just kind of touching a little bit on that communication aspect, um, not only being able to communicate your thoughts succinctly and, you know, make an impression and tell people what you're saying, but also the other side of that is listening and active listening and, you know, listening to what people have to say when you ask them, Hey, why are you doing this? For example, or Mm -hmm. being able to actively listen and take in what they're saying and not just kind of say, okay, I'm the boss. I'm going to shove all this information at you. You got to be willing to take some feedback too. That's, that's a very good point. And, and it's also interesting. So you have to listen to what they're saying. Sometimes people will <clears throat> be able to very clearly tell you what they're thinking or why. And sometimes they can't very clearly tell you, but you still want to get that information from them. So you have to look for other ways to find it. I've, I've also found that over time, um, your, my role influences how comfortable people are communicating with me. Okay. So you know, if I, if they consider me a peer, then it's a little easier to get them to open up and tell me some of the details. But if they perceive me as somebody who's in leadership or maybe in their direct reporting chain, they're not going to be as, they're going to take my questions a little differently. And so I've had to adjust how I ask my questions um, so that uh, I get, I get better answers. So the truth, I just want to hear what they have to tell me. Right. So, so maybe you can talk a little more about that. How, how do you approach that? Do you um, try to be their buddy or do you try to make the conversation non-threatening? What's, what's your tactic there? Generally what I try to do is, is basically right up front, just tell them why I'm asking the question. So 
I'm asking this question because I don't understand because I've never done your job and you have to, I, I, I want to understand better what you have to do. Or I'm asking this question because we, the customer has this issue that they're um, struggling with and I need to come up with an answer for how to answer them. So I, I need to get your input for that. So that's, that's, I think what I do most of all is, is tell them why I'm asking. And then that helps them figure out how to respond to me. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's great. I think then it doesn't feel so threatening, right? They, they don't have to be wondering, you know, okay, why is she asking me this? Is my job on the line or whatever they, the thing? Am I in trouble? You know, exactly. I think that's where some people jump to. It's like, oh, I'm doing it wrong. It's like, I don't know that you're doing it wrong. I just need right. to understand how you're doing it. Right. And why? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So any, any other skills or traits you think beyond those things that we talked about? I know you already mentioned a couple. Yeah, I mentioned a couple relative to just, you know, the, the, the um, how you approach your job and the kind of the, um, I'll say the, the executive presence kind of um, um, approach to it. So um, one way to think about that is being successful in, in a large company. I've always worked for large companies. And so in a large company, you, you interface with a lot of different people. And, and I think that it's a, again, a, a soft skill, that intangible skill of inspiring confidence in people, that they're confident in me and, and, and that I help them feel confident in themselves. Um, that is a skill I think that goes a long way. Um, it's a hard one because I don't know how to tell somebody to go learn that skill. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a good skill to have. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's probably one of those that you have to think of a time when you felt empowered or confident or something and how, what kind of got you there and you kind of emulate that in your interactions with people so that they can feel confident in what you, what you're saying as the leader. That's, that's a good point. And so for me, if I'm, if I'm going into a meeting or if I'm going into maybe a new situation or a new assignment you know, spending some time for, for me personally, I like to spend some time on my own quietly, you know, thinking through, um, even just visualizing what I'm going into. If it's a meeting, visualizing how the meeting is going to be or or spending a few minutes to write down what it is. I my objective, what I want to get out of it mm-hmm. and how I'll think about it at the end of the day, if it's been a good meeting or not. And just those simple. It doesn't have, it can only be five minutes. Right. But just getting that thought in your head helps you maintain focus on that during the course of that event. And sure. I think you will get better at the end. It's just like the athletes that visualize them, you know, the skiers visualizing themselves going through the slaloms and off the jumps. It's, you know, your visualization. That's great. I like that idea and that concept of when you're going into something, kind of picture how you want it to come out and what you're expecting from it. And hopefully that manifests, uh, you know, with your actions and then you're prepared for pretty much anything at that point. I think you're right. I think that is a good parallel. Yeah. The way that the way athletes do it too. Cool. So um, what other, do you have any personal habits or things that you look for um, in others that you may emulate yourself um, when you're hiring or looking for the top people to bring on to your teams? Are there, are there habits or traits from those individuals that you look for or that you do yourself? So um, things I'll, I'll mention 
one that I do myself and this is something I think I'll look for. So, so there's a couple things actually I do myself that um, just help me maintain my own ability to perform. Um, the, the jobs, the days get long, the jobs get hard. And I learned a long time ago that there's never a shortage of work to be done. Um, I have, I have plenty of ideas. I can go through the day and I am constantly thinking, Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. If we did, this would be better. If we could do that, it would be better. And so the ideas are not, there's no shortage of those, but there's shortage of time and energy to get them all done. So you have to prioritize and, and develop a sense that you're doing, you're prioritizing the right way and doing the right things. And then you have to accept that you're not going to get to them all. And for someone who has a drive to do a lot of things, that's hard to accept. Okay, we're not going to do that. So I, I've had to learn to, to kind of do that acceptance. And then part of that is, is some little things to maintain my own energy is to, to turn off, to make sure I turn off at the end of the day, sometimes on a weekend, turn the electronics off, just say, I'm not going to look at the computer today. Um, and and it, it really helps. Um, it's hard sometimes to do that, but it really helps. And so doing that is, is, I know, is important for me. And so I encourage other people to do that too. Um, and so those are some of the things now that gets me to what do I look for in other people? I look for people who are authentic, who I feel can acknowledge some of those same limitations um, because I think that's just rea- realistic. Right. So when people, you know, if people are willing to acknowledge that, you know, they aren't going to be able to do everything, but they, they work really hard to make sure they're doing the important things and doing them well, to me, that's very authentic. So that's, that's part of what I look for in people. I like that. And I think that that is um, one of the things that people forget during interviews, especially, um, is they think the person that's hiring them or interviewing them, you know, for a job wants to hear, oh, yeah, I can do all this, I can do all that, when they don't realize that, you know, sometimes showing a little bit of vulnerability or being human that you're you're not perfect, you're going to do your best and you're going to try and you'll ask for help. That, for me at least, goes a long way. Um, to show that the person is actually real and not just feeding me what I want to hear. And the person's real and the person's actually thought about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because if they think they can do everything, they <laughs> haven't thought about it. I, know, I want to see their superhero cape if that's the case. <laughs> exactly. I wish because I want to learn how to do it myself. <laughs> no kidding. Right. Right. Yeah. Those are great. I like that. And um, you touched a little bit on prioritization and prioritizing your day and your tasks. Is there something that jumps out at you as like, these are the, these are always going to be the top priorities or I guess how you determine what can kind of, you can accept that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And and part of that is you trusting yourself a little bit to make those judgments Um, but if you had to say, so, so I do, um, have a team, I'm responsible for a team that has to get a, a specific body of work done for our customer. Um, so in my head, anything that is affects getting that, delivering that product to my customer, that takes priority over everything else. 
And then I would say the second thing is making sure that my team has what they need. And those two kind of go hand in hand. It's, it's hard to say they're one and two because they're kind of both, they're hand in glove really. But um, um, so on a daily basis, um, I, I probably put when if anybody on my team comes to me that they have an issue or they have a question, I make that a priority. Um, but but globally, it's it's whatever it is to make sure the customer gets what the customer's looking for. Um, and the other thing is, so even with um, other people I observe and other people I observe that are high performers that I try to emulate, you know, one thing I notice in them is they tend to have a lot of really good focus. It, you can you can usually tell in in interacting with them what they think is important because they're so focused on it. Even if they don't verbalize it, they're just so focused on it, which is which is pretty impressive. But at the same time, you also have to be flexible. Oh, yeah. And so sometimes those two appear to conflict, but I will say I might come in in the morning and think I've got to get these things done and this is my priority and this is what my customer wants and I know this is important. And then next thing you know, there's things that come up I did never even expected and you have to adapt and you have to say, oh, now I have to go work on that. And it's not what I planned, but that's okay. I have to go do it. Right. And uh, so, so those are two important things to be focused, but be flexible at the same time. Yeah, I think that's a, those are two hard things to balance, but if you can master that and not get flustered when those moments for flexibility pop up, uh, I think that that helps people get that um, belief in your leadership and trust in your leadership when you can show those things. So I think that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Okay, so are you a reader? I know I this is I'm springing this question on you, but do you find that you have time outside of work to read um, anything fun or you know fulfilling? Or are you an audiobook person, or are you just not a reader and you like to zone out and, and read internet news once in a while? I um, I used to be uh, much more of a reader. Okay. Um, and I find I don't have the, I don't have the energy is to read as much, sure. um, um, as I'd like to. And, and actually someday I'd like to get back more into the, to the reading. Um, I do do the internet news, of course, yeah. uh, try to, try to stay up with, uh, current events as much as I can. That's a must. Right. Um, and, and then I, um, I do, have uh, sometimes some different leadership or development books that, that I read, although nothing, nothing recently. So I think you're going to ask me for a recommendation and I don't have one off the tip of my tongue. That's okay. Um, well, I just, it's nice to know, you know, I'm sure you're busy with all the manuals and all that stuff that you have to know for whatever you're developing for your customers that, you know, once you get home, the last thing you want to do is pick up a book and have to read some more. Um, it's good to give your brain a rest. For sure. It, it, it is. And although I will say I've been enjoying um, not reading, but, you know, turning uh, some of the videos and the, the other media that you can learn from as well. Sure. And I've been enjoying recently the uh, show on PBS that's talking about suffrage and women's right to vote because it's 100 years and that's really important. Yeah. And there's a lot of I've been I've been watching that. And so there's a lot of details of that history, which it really wasn't that long ago, but I think a lot of people have either never learned or have forgotten what, what really happened only a hundred years ago. 
I know. And the fact that these women were so strong and ahead of their time, really, in fighting for our right to vote and have, you know, rights, equal rights that we, you know, we should celebrate that by voting ourselves. So that's my little plug for people to go out and vote. (laughs) I, I totally agree. We should absolutely, because I think most people today, if you told them they couldn't vote, that would not go over well and people would be surprised. But, you know, it was as recently as 100 years ago, women could not vote. So, so let's, let's, let's exercise our privilege. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yes. So is there anything else I haven't asked you that you want to share or you think is important to people that are trying to improve their lives and maybe be top performers like yourself? I'm going to, I'm going to share two things. And one is something we've touched on a little bit because we kind of made some parallels of the visualization to, um, Um, how athletes do that. And there's another parallel that I learned a number of years ago that, that stuck with me, which is when you're talking about high performers in the business world or, you know, the technical world, like I'm in, um, you can draw some parallels. If you try to think about that and say, well, how would I draw a parallel to an athlete? And, um, you know, I want to be at my top performance. I want, and that includes, Obviously, not as much of the physical side, although the physical side is important, but you want to develop your skills and you do that. But one thing we ask people to do in the business world is we ask them to come to work almost every day, certainly five days a week, and perform at a high level every day, um, 365 days a year. Athletes don't do that. (laughs) Athletes go through a training period. And they have built-in rest periods. And they know that these are the events that they have to really perform at their peak. And they build themselves um, in the rest time and the training time in order to allow them to peak at that moment. We don't do that in the business world. And I think we should. And I think if we expect ourselves to perform at the highest peak level every day, that's where you get burnout. So I try to think of that a little bit and apply that also in the in the work world it's okay to take a rest it's okay to take a break um keep in mind when you have to be at your hot best and make sure you work towards that so that's one little thing that helps me that I, I like to think about that I wanted to pass along because yeah. I think that's more healthy for sure yeah <laughs> um and then the other thing um I'll pass along which is something I like to uh, give tell people is something that's helped me over the years if I'm struggling maybe with an issue or struggling with how to get through a problem at work, I have a little mind game I play with myself. Um, Cause oftentimes I'll, I'll be trying to look through a problem um, from all different points of view. And I'm like, well, I think maybe we should do this, but I don't know if my leadership's going to be able to be okay with that. Or I don't know if these people are going to know how to work with that. Um, sometimes when I get it find myself in an episode, I just step back and I say, Janet, what if you were the queen and you could do whatever you wanted and it was solely your decision? What would you do? What's the right thing to do? And usually when I ask myself that question, the answer becomes very clear. It's like, yeah, this is the right thing to do. That's so right. go do the right thing and we'll figure the rest of it out. Yeah, you'll find a way to make it happen if it's the right thing. That's great. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of a little mind game for myself to help clear my mind and get myself focused again. Right. So anyway, so those are two things I thought of that I would share and maybe, uh, maybe somebody will find that useful. Yeah, no, I, I do already. I think that, you know, getting rid of that clutter helps you 
you know, figure out what the right thing to do and the answer to your question. And sometimes you get mad at yourself after you do that because you're like, why? Why did I worry so much? I spend so much time thinking about this. This is the right thing. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this is easy. Why did I make it so hard? But yeah. Great. No, yeah. I love that. That's fantastic. Awesome. So do you provide mentorship for your staff or for other people? Or um, can people reach out to you with questions? I do. I have a couple of different programs. The company has several different programs that we have to help encourage the kind of mentorship that I participate in. And, and I always tell people I'm, you know, more than happy to have discussions and just share my experiences. Um, sometimes they're helpful for folks and I'm more than happy to help people out if I can. That's awesome. Um, just the fact that you're, you're such a leader in your industry and doing so well, and you've, you've kind of risen through the ranks pretty quickly, in my opinion, because I know it takes a lot to get there, especially in the industry you're in. Um, being a female and being a strong female is, is fantastic. So I'm sure that there are people that would love to reach out to you and, um, you know, ask you a few questions or run a, bounce a few ideas off of you. How would they be able to contact you? I think the best way would be to reach out to me via LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I am on LinkedIn. Okay. And so it search for me and send me a note and I'd be happy to talk. Perfect. And we'll make sure to put that in the show notes too. So people will be able to contact you if they need Excellent. to um, and, and reach out. Well, it has been fantastic talking with you. And I already feel like I've got a few good ideas that I can start incorporating in my own life. So I can only imagine the viewers are feeling that as well. So thank you for your time. Um, we really appreciate it, Janet. Thank you very much. It was really great to talk to you today. All right. You have a great rest of your day. Okay. You too. Thanks for joining us on the Idaho Physio. We hope you gained some insights, inspiration, and some ideas on how to be amongst the top performers and high achievers in the world. Know someone that's crushing it that we should talk to? Let us know. As always, we welcome your feedback. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share our podcast with friends, family, heck, even complete strangers. Because, hey, who couldn't use a little inspiration these days? Thanks again. Now get out there and be amazing.